tonight we're going to start off with this word. It's, it's called impeccable it's, or, or flawless. And in the message uh, translation, Matthew 5, 33 through 37, it's talking about empty promises. It says, and don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, oh, I'll pray for you, and you're never doing it, or saying, God be with you, and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace and making your speech sound more religious. It becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. So one of the things we're going to do a little sifting, uh, because we want to fine-tune. You know, the Lord showed us a lot of things about ourselves through these 28 sessions. This is our 28th one, 27th session. He showed us a lot of things. One of the things that when I first married Jean, he would often say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And because, you know, as women, we can say yes or we can say no, but... You know, we, 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 have the, we have the card that says, but I can change my mind because that's not what I really meant. That's not what I really wanted. Amen. And he was always like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I'm like, what? You know, what is that? Well, it's in the word. Jesus said it. And so um, there is so much that I can say about this because... When we say something as simple as, oh, I'm going to pray for you about that, and then we don't, we are damaging our soul. We are damaging our faith walk. We are damaging ourselves. And you think, well, you know, everybody gets caught up, everybody forgets or, or whatever, but you don't realize when you say something and you don't follow through or you're basically not speaking the truth, and then your whole being says inside, I can't believe a word you say. And then when it comes down to a life and death and you're praying for somebody and you're speaking life and this is life and death and, and then there's a part of your subconscious, there's a little wound that just got a little scratch that says, I can't believe a word you say. So we're damaging our soul. Every time that we... Uh, manipulate the truth or just skew it or we just, you know, put on our little mask because we want to say what people want to hear. And I know, I mean, and, and, and you see it all the time where somebody might say one thing to one party, la, 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 they say that, and then to the enemy, they're over here and they're saying what they want to hear, la, 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 la. And I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of double talk going on, you know? And so what is the truth? What is the truth? So we want to learn how to be impeccable. We want to learn how to be flawless in what we're saying and what we're uh, speaking because it's going to affect our soul. So in, here's it, Matthew 5.33, Jesus forbidding us. Again, you have heard that all, was, all it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor, nor by the earth, 
for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is his city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than that is from the evil one. This is from the New King James Version. You see how that reads a little different. But it, but anything from that is not yes or no is from the evil one. Because if you say like, uh, well, I swear... I would never do this, or I swear, I, you know, you make an oath, uh, uh, you know, I guarantee you, I guarantee you this and that. And that. I mean, these are from the evil one, because what that's saying is, well, yes, sometimes my yes is yes, but here I'm going to emphasize it with an oath or a swear that says, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to make this stronger, because then that really is a yes. What are you saying to your soul? What's being... What's being uh, communicated to your subconscious if you think that you've got to swear or make an oath to be a yes is a yes? That tells you that your soul's saying, but you don't always believe what you're saying. Amen? So we have to, we have to be aware of that. Impeccable is faultless, flawless, irreproachable, flee, free from blame, not liable to sin, incapable of sin. This is what Jesus walked in. He was impeccable. You hear that word impeccable? Oh, she has impeccable taste. Or they have impeccable this. But impeccable is a wonderful word because this is what Jesus is, was he had an impeccable soul. An impeccable soul. And that's our goal, is to have a soul. Impeccable nature, John 14, 30, it says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. This is Jesus talking. So Jesus had an impeccable nature, one that did not sin or lean towards sin. It's what keeps Satan from having any power of Jesus is because his soul is so perfect. And you think, well, you know, how can we have the, an impeccable soul? Well, it's possible. I, didn't, I never thought that until I came into this ministry I always thought, well, nobody's perfect. You know, we're just allowed to be all messed up and junked up and that this is the way it is. The whole church is like that. I mean, really, everybody's doing it. I mean, we're all messed up, right? And But I came into this ministry and the, and the bar was raised. The standard was raised. I married a man that I went, wow, that, you know, the standard is raised. You really can live. A, you know, a life with a, a pure soul. You really can live where fear's not coming in and all the craziness. It's amazing. It's like when you see somebody doing it, it really helps you because you think, wow. And then you see the power, the, the effect of that, of that peace that's carried and ruling and reigning. It's like, wow. It's like amazing. So he had an impeccable nature. One of the things I love about the scripture is when I read this, he says, I will no longer talk much with you. He's talking to the disciples. And he is um, saying that the prince of this world is coming, the evil one. So the evil one is coming on the scene, fixing to come in and do some stuff, right? Well, who did Jesus stop talking to? His disciples. He was saying, I'm not going to talk much longer with you. And I watched this in operation, you know, when I watched my husband one time where somebody was just litting in onto him just in rage. 
And I watched him with his lips completely closed with just a smile. And then this person just went into this more rage. Like they didn't get a response. So they just doubled up the rage and went after it again. And he just still very quietly smiled, nodded his head. And and then so when we got back to the car, I went, what was that? Because when it was all over with and the person was completely exhausted from their ranting and raging, then he finally hugged them. I said, what was that? And he said that he couldn't speak to that because that was a demon. And if he had spoke to the demon, he would have engaged the demon. And which would open himself up to participate in what the demon was trying to do. And I was like, I'd never seen anybody with that much self-control who had no offense in them, untouchable. It was amazing to me. So this is funny because he says, I will no longer talk much with you. He knows the evil one's coming, even in his own disciples, that there's the enemy has access to his disciples. So he, at some point, said, I'm going to not talk right now. And it's amazing. So he had an impeccable nature, Where sin leads to defeat and death, purity, divine, impeccable nature that does not lead to sin leads to victory and an increasing, abundant, and kingdom life. And so what is amazing now is that because he did not engage into that warfare, because he did not engage into that rage, now there's peace between him and that person. Peace just ruled. It just takes your enemies and puts them under your feet. It causes your enemies to be at peace with you. And it's an amazing thing to watch. Impeccable nature, complete integrity. John 1, 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here's an Israelite, indeed, a true descendant of Jacob, in whom there is no guile nor deceit, nor duplicity. And here it says in the Living Translation, as they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. So now Jesus is looking at Nathanael and he sees somebody who has no guile, no deceit, and no duplicity. Well, what is, what is all that? No guile, no deceit, and duplicity. And duplicity is one of the things that I think about when I read that word. I think of the double-minded man or the person who talks out of both corners of their mouth. They say one thing here and another thing here. But he was genuine. He was pure. And so this is something that is attainable. Because that's something that we want Jesus to say about us. He, he referred to Nathaniel as a man of no deceit, nothing false. There was, he was a man of complete integrity. What does that mean? He was honest. He was transparent. He had nothing to hide. Who did not talk from both corners of his mouth. He was true, authentic, full of integrity. First Thessalonians 5, 3-5 says, 
God tested us thoroughly to make sure we were qualified to be trusted with this message. Be assured that when we speak to you, we're not after crowd approval, only God approval. That's one of the things I love about this ministry is that when anybody that comes in here, people that worship, people that love God, they don't care about what anybody else has to think about them. They're not looking around, seeing who's got you know the finest clothes on. They don't care. They're here because they're serious about getting something right in their life. And that this is this life training center is one that is like, hey, we're we don't care about approval of anybody else but God. And we it doesn't matter if we come in here in our pajamas. It doesn't matter. This is the real us. And you'll see us crying or sobbing, you know, snot everywhere because we don't care. We just want to get it right in our souls, in our spirit, man, right? Amen. So since we've been been put through the battery of tests, you're guaranteed that both we and the message are free of error, mixed motives, or hidden agendas. We never use words to butter you up. No one knows that better than you, and God knows we never use words as a smokescreen to take advantage of you. So this is, uh, I believe that's Paul talking. And what he's saying is we gave the message of God and we gave it from a pure heart. We gave you truth. We didn't give it with agendas and hidden motives. And so one of the things we want to become aware of this week is we want to become aware. We want to become aware and fine-tune what are we saying? What's coming out of our mouth? And what's in our heart and what's in our thoughts. Amen? We want to become aware. Honesty. Do you always speak the truth? Do you say one thing when you're really thinking something else? Do you hide or misrepresent what you are really feeling or thinking? What areas in your life are you not being totally authentic in? And why do you do that? So this is the question. Where in your life are you not confronting real truth? Where in your life are you masking or you're not saying what you truly think or feel? And then James 3, 2, it says, For we stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. So it's possible to become more perfect by not stumbling in the words. Able also to bridle the whole body. That tells me that the mouth and the body are connected. What's happening in our body is probably something we spoke out of our mouth. If we have continual back pain, it's probably because we thought or said somebody was a pain in the back or pain in the neck or, or you know, something to that effect. I mean, the things that comes out of our mouth, you know. I, I said recently, I said, I'm going to quit saying I'm tired because that's just like, what, what good is that? And I'm going to change it to I may need to rest. 
I may need to rest more. I'm going to quit saying I'm tired because that tells my organs. It tells everything in my body. You're tired, baby. You can't do nothing. You can't even heal. You, I don't want to tell my body that anymore. I'm going to tell my body you need rest now and then follow through, right? So what, what are we saying? It's affecting our bodies. It's affecting our souls. Amen? So we got to be, be aware of that. This is a quote from Miguel Angel Ruiz. It says, be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. You know, one of the things we have definitely uncovered and become more aware in our little GPS of fine-tuning, becoming aware, is how many times we put ourselves down or we say something negative about ourselves because that's just the way we've been taught, you know, that this that it's okay to say something negative about yourself. It's okay to put yourself down. Well, that's not love. That's not love for yourself. It's not truth. Amen? So we become aware that we need to be impeccable in our words. And so, right, you know, this week, consider listening to yourself. Consider even recording yourself and listen to what you're saying that is not truth for you and not love for you or others. Amen? So we can catch it. And when we catch it, then we can also catch where the problem is the thing that's going on in our soul that needs to be corrected. Amen? All right. Impeccable questions. And th this is what I just went over some of this. Do you always speak the truth? Do you say one thing when you mean another? Do you cover up, hide, or misrepresent what you truly are feeling or thinking? And a lot of us do that because we think we, think we can't be transparent we can't really be honest. We can't really tell somebody how we feel because they're not going to understand. But I guarantee, but it's like, you know, it's like if we can just get with the Spirit and let truth guide us, we can communicate truthfully without harm because love does no harm, right? And we can do that. And then if we do cover up, or we do hide, or we do misrepresent what we're truly feeling or thinking, I want you to ask yourself, why? Why do I do that? Why am I saying that? Why am I thinking that way? Why? Because the why is going to be a clue to what's in your soul that needs to be fixed. Amen? Because Jesus did not speak in a way that misrepresented or lied. We have to remember to be like our master. Have you been talking or using words against yourself? What have you said against yourself and why? All right, so what have we said against ourselves, and where did that come from? How have you been talking or using words against others? Now that's something we have to really check on. You know, a lot of times we put our we say things against ourselves, but now what are we saying against somebody else? Because what you're doing or speaking about somebody else is affecting your soul. It's affecting your spirit, man. It's affecting you. Amen. 
We don't want to say anything negative about others. So we want to repent. What do you do? We want to repent, change our thinking, right? Lord, forgive me. And we want to bless that person. Amen. And, and ask the Lord to, to reconcile us completely in our heart, in our mind, in our soul with that person so that there's no negative thing going on, right? That's what we want to do. How free of error or mixed motives or hidden agendas are you living? Are you transparent in your life and in speech? How much transparency are you willing to live in? How much are you willing to live in? You know, um, everybody has levels of transparency. Like, I may have one level with Lee because I may have a close, intimate relationship with Lee where I feel like I can be more transparent with her because I know she's going to love me and she's going to understand. But then I may have a coworker that I feel like I cannot be transparent with that person. <laughs> if they see weakness in me, boom, you know, they're going to bring a hammer down or whatever. But God does not want us afraid of being transparent. So we have different levels of where we're willing to be transparent and where we're not willing to be transparent. Well, what I want you to ask yourself is where or who are the people that I am not willing to be completely transparent with? And then ask yourself, why? Is it because I'm afraid of what they will do to me? Is it because I, oh, I'm afraid of what they will think about me? Why am I afraid? If I'm a daughter of the Most High, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and He has saved me, He has redeemed me, he has, his righteousness is, is covering me. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? And you think, well, we live in the real world. You have to be protective. You've got to be careful. Well, you know, the word does say, don't cast your pearls before swine. And I've done that before where I put my swirl, all my pearls out there, all my goodness, all my love, and cast them before a swine that just trampled on them into the mud. Amen? And yeah, there are people who do that. So there are some things you don't want to give your pearls to, but here's the neat thing. The more willing we're, the more willing we are to be transparent, we will be amazed at how many people are feeling a lot like we are or have been through a lot of the things that we've been through. How many people are going to come to us like Weta's friend. The more transparent we are, the more we're able to be a light in the world. You cannot be a light in the world if your light is under a bushel. We have to take the bushel off and not be afraid because what can man do to us? What can man do to us? What can people do to us? Nothing. Nothing. Amen. We have to be transparent. I love it because like Leah spoke on shame before and she has come wide open with things, events in her life from that happened to her when she was a young girl. That the shame, that she had lived in shame for years and covered and masked and uh, had a facade going on. But yet 
she got free. When that mask was torn away, that shame was just taken away. And how did that happen? Because she was willing to be transparent. Amen? And she's free, and it's worth it. It's worth what anybody has to say, any negative thing in the world. It's worth it. If somebody says, it, it doesn't matter to you, does it? If somebody has one negative thing to say, it doesn't. You're free. And you've got something that the whole world wants. You see, when we're transparent, we can be set free. The Word says, confess your faults, your sins, one to another, that you may be healed. Amen? If we can't be transparent, then we can't be healed. So, if you want to hold on to your stuff and not be healed, then you can do that. You know, but ask yourself, why? Why am I not willing to be transparent? What am I afraid of? Amen? Uh, all I can say is that it's worth it to be free. Amen? It is. You see, Jesus, I mean, you think about Jesus. He's the Son of God. And here he is coming in front of a bunch of Jews saying he's a, he's that he has a heavenly Father that he listens to, that he hears, that he obeys, that he doesn't speak or do in anything without that voice of the heavenly Father. And he's also going out there saying, hey, your sins are forgiven. Well, listen, in the, the, among the Jews, that you didn't, that was blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus was God in the flesh. He could forgive sins. He wasn't afraid to be transparent. And yeah, they put him on a cross. But look, look what was accomplished. All of our sins are forgiven. All of the plan of eternity unfolded. Now we can be free. We can be transparent through Christ. You see, when we're redeemed, completely redeemed through and through in our soul, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. And there may come a time that you may not know. You've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and be transparent no matter how you think that this person's going to think I'm really weak or they're going to think I'm really messed up in the head or they're going to think this or whatever it is. Whatever it is, ask yourself why. You know, one thing in this, in this class is we're not, no, we're not judging you know, anything. We don't judge anything. The question is for you and for you and the Holy Spirit to search it out. Amen? And it is true that we don't cast our pearls among swine because there are people that they don't understand. But if the Holy Spirit tells you to be transparent, you might be shocked at who He's telling you to be transparent with. And then you need to be obedient because that very person may have things going on in their life that nobody would ever know. There are people out there committing suicide. There are people out there struggling with children or teenagers or home life. There are people out there with so much hurt and so much pain that they are just literally dying for somebody to be real. Be real. 
Amen. People need people to be real. Matthew 5, 48. This is, um, you therefore be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly father is perfect. You know, this is the thing. And then here's another translation. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, I grew up with, uh, you know, basically thinking, well, nobody's perfect. And yet I felt a demand on my life at a young age that I had to be perfect, but I could never be perfect. I could never, ever accomplish perfection. And so it was uh, a wound in my soul. And then when I had that vision where, you know, there's someone, uh, there's a baby, an uh, infant, who's so small they can't even hold their body up. They're still that tiny. And someone's saying horrible things to this baby. Horrible. You know, why were you born? How could you do this? You'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll just, I don't even know what all kinds of horrible things. And the baby is feeling the pain of all the rejection, all the not being wanted, not being desired feeling like they're one big mistake that happened in the earth. And then all of a sudden in the vision, Jesus comes in and he comes in with this glorious light that's now shining down on the baby. And he has a crown in his hand and he puts the crown on the baby's head and he looks up and he says, Father, she's perfect. And with that vision, then the baby looks at this person who's saying all these horrible things. And there's so much love coming out of Jesus and the Father and approval that the baby just looks at the person and has nothing but love. There's nothing that they can say. You see, that's what the Lord wants to do for us. He wants to make us whole and with that, because of Jesus, we can be perfect. You see, when we come boldly before the throne room, we have pled the blood of Christ. We're coming in with the blood sacrifice of Christ who was paid. He gave his life for us. We are coming to the altar of God because we've been washed in the blood. And because of that, we can come boldly. When the Father sees you, he doesn't see your imperfections. He doesn't see all the things that you did wrong. He doesn't see your weaknesses. He sees a blood film of your face. And when he looks through that blood, he sees his son, Jesus. And you come boldly and you can ask what you will. And the Lord is seeing his son. That's who you are. Like last week when I said, when you say something negative about yourself, you're saying something negative about Jesus. Because he paid for you. He bought you. You're his. Amen. And now he's looking at you as his very own son. You are his son. You are his daughter. And in his eyes, you are absolutely perfect. Amen? It's our souls that don't quite believe it. It's our souls that struggle with it. But that soul is what needs to be renewed because when we finally believe 
that we see ourselves as the Father sees us, then we are free. Amen? Because shame can't hold us. Rejection has no effect. Unforgiveness has no effect. We have no offense in us. There's nothing in common between us and the enemy or the world. Amen? Okay. So we can be perfect. We can be perfect through Christ. Isn't that awesome? To know that you can go from glory to glory to glory. Amen. To improve, this is from Winston Churchill. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. So that's what we're doing. We're changing and we're changing often. Praise God that we don't have to be stuck and be the same person we were last year. That even in a year, in a day, in a week, that we can be free, that we can change. And that's the whole idea of perfection is we're changing often. We're going from glory to glory to glory. This is Mahatma Gandhi. He said, a man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies, and he became the ransom of the world. It was a perfect act. Do you see that we've been made perfect by a perfect act of God? We have been made perfect. Here in Deuteronomy 32, 4, it says, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-one says, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. That's what we do when we... When we take refuge in Jesus, you see, we're in him and he's in us. And we take refuge like Psalms 91. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High, we take refuge. And in that refuge, we are made perfect. Amen. Awesome. I get excited listening to the word myself. So anyway. So, impeccable soul, the word, Psalms 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. This is out of the Amplified. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, is flawless, restoring and refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are reliable, trustworthy, making wise the simple. So as we meditate on the Word of God, as we meditate on His, His ways, His laws, His, His Word, everything in His Word, the Word says the Word is good for instruction, for reproof. It's good for, for cleansing. It cleanses our soul. You can't get enough Word. I like to have the Word going around me all the time. You can't get enough Word. Amen? Because it refreshes your soul. It's like, and you may not even understand the word. If you're reading it or you're listening to it, you may not, your soul, your intellect may not even understand what you're reading or what you're listening to, but your spirit, man, that little part of you that it had Jesus come into your heart, that spirit, man, has a full comprehension of that word, and it's growing. It's growing. Amen? So, 
that refreshes our soul. James 3, 2, it says, don't be in any rush to become a teacher. <laughs> My friends, teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. So as a teacher, it's like, okay, if I can just speak the word, I'm, I'm, being, <laughs> I'm doing it right. Amen? All right. Let's see what time it is. All right. Um, what I want to do is open it up for any other questions. We're doing some sifting this week. We're going to pay attention to what's coming out of our mouth. We're going to pay attention to when and where we're transparent. And why? Amen? Okay.